Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Sopranos podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Season 3, Episode 11, Pine Barrens. Hi, friends. It's one of those fun times where you get me and Matt in the same room. I'm in your basement. Mm-hmm. Touching all your studio. stuff. You haven't touched any of it. You're, like, touching my couch. There's a whole wanna, shelf full of knickknacks right there. There's a thing full of Transformers here, and I don't want to touch them because I feel like they're all going to fall over. Well, that Megatron looks expensive. Yeah. No, it's not that expensive, but it is rickety. Mm. The, uh, oh, he does look rickety. Masterpiece Megatron looks great, does not stand well. The rest of them are pretty sturdy. Also, it looks like his dick's hanging out, which is weird. Well, he's a gun, so that's going to happen. You're going to get that. My dick is a gun, Prime. <laughs> that's Transformers, right? I, almost. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's a that's a Mickey Spillane book. Time to turn into a gun. No, now you nailed it. Yes! But right above that is all the Star Trek stuff. You could have talked about something, like, thematically appropriate. Why? We don't do a Star Trek show anymore? I guess that's true. We haven't... I mean, we're not even doing a sci-fi show anymore. Nope. To be clear, this is literally my favorite show of all time, mm-hmm. but I would not have brought this up because it's not in our in our wheelhouse. It's just... It's not... No, it's genre. not a genre show. No, and and you've stretched the genre uh, definition a little sure. by doing some like horror stuff, and that's cool. But I, I, this is a little too far. But it was a Patreon suggestion. Someone coughed up twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and you get to pick. Yeah. So that's that's it. Do you have a, a show you'd like us to watch in twenty bucks? Yeah. Because you, you too can make us watch whatever your favorite like. TV show or some garbage or maybe a show we both like. That would be nice. And that's the thing going into the, this next, like, this is, no, next week mm-hmm. is the last one that you and I have picked. Yep. Then we're going to do a supplemental. Then we're going to bring on all, all our regular guests on to pick shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm dreading that a little. I love talking to our friends and I love, I do like watching new things that mm-hmm. I haven't seen before. What I don't love is watching things other people like and talking about why I don't like them. I feel like a dick. Getting get to that in an episode. Yeah, next week <laughs> you'll, you'll be hearing something Matt really loves, and I I don't want to be that guy. I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna lie and say I like the thing I don't. Sure, but I don't want to. It just makes me feel like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the guy who doesn't like the thing everyone else likes. Sure. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah. And I was worried we'd get that the other way around with this because this show is hyped to hell. Yeah. This is this this was the show for like as long as I can it's yeah for just, as long as it was on yeah it's been just on the list of yeah. you know greatest tv shows of the last 20 years well you wouldn't have you really literally wouldn't have the the shows that we have now mm-hmm. like it, it broke so much ground in terms of serialization well, it, i remember when it came out and it really did just change yeah everything you yeah. know and it wasn't the only show that did that no, but of course it was the not. most high profile show mm. that did that i remember buffy was playing around with a lot of this like season long continuity stuff that that a lot of other shows weren't doing. For instance, I do you remember this? They were doing a thing at the time where they were cutting the the episodes down to half an hour, and they were showing them on some other network. Like it wasn't on HBO. I've heard of this, but I have not seen that. That was how it was playing when I was when how? I. <laughs> you can't tell, but I'm shrugging elaborately because I don't know how the fuck that works. No, and I saw something in your notes where you're like, I, I can't believe, like, why don't they just show the nudity if they want to show nudity? Mm-hmm. They did. Oh, good. Okay. I think I think you were under the impression because in the in the uh, the terrible uh, strip club, mm-hmm. 
uh, they they have pasties on or whatever. Was well, a shot when he's with his mistress or whatever, and she's got the 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 sheet over her in that Hollywood way where it's oh that's o- that's it's only covering like her boobs or whatever. That's because she was a name actor. Ah, and okay. she probably didn't want to get naked. Just like um, there's a couple of scenes like that with uh, Doctor Melfi, the uh, the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, where you know, because that's like Lorraine Bracco. Sure. She's like no, I'm not doing that, and that that's fine. It just like it. She didn't seem to me like like I didn't know she was a big name actor. So she's not just, huge, but sure. she's big enough that she could say no, I'm not doing new yeah. or whatever. So you know, but no, they they go to the horrible strip club mm. all the time, and one of the funniest <laughs> things in the world to me is like yeah, HBO is. And always has been famous for like throwing those exploitive, just like here's some tits, guys. Mm-hmm. Like D- Game of Thrones does that for no re- did that for no reason. Mm-hmm. Just like they called it uh, a sex position, mm-hmm. where they'd have to explain the plot to you, and so to make it interesting, they'd they'd have some naked people throw some boobs in there. Uh, fine, whatever. But the thing on The Sopranos is it was never titillating. Mm-hmm. These strippers were bored. We were usually in the strip club at two in the afternoon when no one was there and they had to be dancing because it was their job, but no one was there. So they didn't have to try very hard. That was one of the things I picked up on watching this show is it really takes the the whole mystique out of the mob lifestyle. Yeah, the mob and all the all the peripherally connected things. All that Godfather shit, all the the Goodfellas stuff where it's all like, you know, we honor among thieves and stuff and just like. Robert De Niro doing like the whole casino thing and just like, yeah, man, we're all making money and it's great. Everything in this show looks like it's covered in a thin layer of grease. Well, one of the first, maybe not the first line, but it's in the first episode Uh is when Tony sits down with Dr. Melfi and he says, I feel like we came in at the end of this thing. Mm. And that's a big part of the premise is those glory days are over. First of all, they probably never existed. I'm sure they never existed. It's it's a lot of like dudes who saw The Godfather and were just like... No, and these guys literally quote The Godfather to each other. But the thing is like uh, Mario Puzo and then Francis Ford Coppola like turned that into an epic, like a proper multi-generational epic, but it was probably still horrible back then too. The other thing is, I only learned this recently, Mario Puzo made a shit ton of that stuff up. Oh yeah, like none of it was like yeah, no. It's and not then like they based just adapted it because the Godfather is like the mob Bible, basically. It's right. like we all want to be this. The weird thing is, I don't really think of The Sopranos as a mob show at all. Like I know that it is. I mean, that was always the selling point when I when I was watching it. Yeah, or not watching it, but when I was aware of. I think I watched like four or five episodes mm-hmm. back in high school. This is one of the handful of ones that I would have picked. Mm. This wouldn't be the number one if I was trying to sell you on the show, but it would be up there. It's very good. The thing is, that, well, let's do your summary and then yeah, we'll come back okay. to all this. Because there's a lot to talk about. And as we've been doing with all these series, we're going to talk about the whole show. Like, we'll talk about what happens in this episode, but we're going to use this as an excuse to talk about the whole thing. Yeah. So tell us what happens in Pine Barrens. All right. So we open on Tony Soprano receiving a call from his former mistress while attempting to fuck his current mistress. When Miss, which mistress number two does not take terribly well to before we get to the meat of the episode. Specifically, the two dumbest idiots in the entire mafia, Polly and Christopher, attempting to collect money from some Russian dude. Now, the job is very simple. Pick up the money. And it's not even like the guy doesn't want to pay or they need to shake him down or get it. It's on the fucking table in a little envelope that says, Two Mafia, Love Russian Guy. But Reed Richards' sideburns get us a fucking bug up his ass, and before you can say, Jesus, that escalated quickly, thing one and thing two have Russian guy rolled up in a carpet and are driving him out to the Pine Barrens to dump his paying-on-time ass. Meanwhile, Tony and his wife Carmilla have couples therapy. My current working theory is that their marriage would work better if Tony wasn't fucking the entire cast of the Jersey Shore and being exceptionally sloppy about it, but I've admittedly only seen the one episode. 
Back in the Pine Barrens, the Moron Brigade find that the Russian guy is still alive, so they march him out to the middle of nowhere to bury his ass. And before you ask, no, the shovel they bring is far too short for the job at hand. <laughs> what it's not too short for is smacking Christopher in the fucking face, after which the Russian Superman beats Cheeks. Our boys open fire and completely fail to shoot anything. I think Polly maybe wings his scalp. Jesus Christ, I could run a better mafia than this. In fact, I have in Grand Theft Autos 1 through 5, Saints Row 2 through 4, and Mafia 3, and the Scarface video game. So, in no particular time at all, our heroes get completely lost in the woods and are eventually murdered by the Blair Witch. Wait, no, they hide out in a van overnight and sleep in a ripped-up carpet. Meanwhile, <clears throat> Tony gets in a fight with his mistress over some family issues. Man, fucking around is difficult. It just seems like so much more trouble than it's actually worth. Eventually, Tony and some dude head out to the Pine Barrens and rescue Polly and Christopher from death by Russian, frostbite, and or predator attack. <clears throat> oh, and also Meadow, who I think is Tony's daughter, gets cheated on by her boyfriend, a sleazebag named Jackie, proving that every man in this show sucks, including Anthony Jr., who can't tell a joke. Everyone in this show sucks. Okay. Everyone, everyone, everywhere, forever. <laughs> it's just the worst. Yeah. Also, the shovel thing at least was deliberate. Mm -hmm. It's not like this is my digging shovel. Well, he, Polly even says, I got a shovel for digging snow out of like uh, from around my tires. Uh -huh. Like it's just for scooping snow away. These it's... fucking morons. That's the that's. And that's why this was a good choice. Justin, who uh, donated to the Patreon, mm. picked well. Like I said, this will be a hand in one of a handful of episodes because it's mostly standalone and it is a clear comedic concept of these two idiots who only know living in the suburbs are suddenly out in the wilderness. Yeah. And just like it's it's so I, I spent the entire episode just like, really? God, you guys are dumb. Also, they are not the dumbest idiots in the mafia. These guys are pretty representative of Tony's crew. Oh, no. How does he get anything done? He doesn't. That's the point. Fucking. That's half the conflict of the show is him trying to keep the like he's in charge and he hates it. And all of his people are terrible. And he doesn't like it's not like it was in his dad's day. And it, it probably is. But, uh, yeah. But he thinks, oh, my God, back in the Godfather days, you wouldn't have this. And now I got to deal with these assholes. Like, Polly fucking murders this dude for literally no reason. No, he doesn't murder him. He tries to murder him. Dude runs away. Mm -hmm. This is another thing that you don't know this, not, not having watched the show. Uh -huh. This loomed so large in Sopranos fandom because everyone's like, when's the Russian going to come back? The Russian's going to come back and there's going to be a war with the Russian mob. <laughs> the show was never about the mob stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's where it's set. But. That's not what it's about. The show does tell a sequential, like, chronological story, but so many threads don't get paid off. That's just part of it. Sure. And this guy was just, like, fucking Rasputin, and he disappears. That's it. That's all it is. And I love that. I never cared if he came back, but so many people got mad about it, and they would ask, like, they'd do events, and mm -hmm. the first question would be, when's the Russian coming back? Like, season six, they'd be like, is the Russian coming back this year? No. People don't fucking get it sometimes, man. I, it's because it really is. And I just read a book about this. So mm -hmm. like, this is all fresh in my head. I got a lot of stuff to say about this. No kidding. You did about the X-Files and you will again next week. So this, this one's mine. No, no, this is my Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. The, this show changed so much of mainstream television that people didn't think like they didn't understand that if you're telling a serialized story that some obvious thread like this would not be paid off mm -hmm. because that's how you've been trained to watch TV your entire life. And why wouldn't it? And this show was like, because life is like that sometimes yeah. and important things happen to the characters and we're not going to forget that. But sometimes like there's a plot in, I think it's this season and there's going to be spoilers by the way. There's always, there always is when we do this, sure. um, where 
there's this super piece of shit, and he's not in it this week, uh, Ralphie. Mm. Uh, Polly talks about him, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, who's like this, he's way more irritating than these two. Wow. He's coked up all the time, and the movie Gladiator was huge at this point, and mm-hmm. he loves Gladiator. And at one point, he's swinging around this thing that he thinks is like a like a weapon, and uh-huh. like fucking blinds the uh, the bouncer at the uh, strip club just because he's coked up out of his mind. Uh-huh. And he fucking kills a stripper in another one is horrible. And it's treated as horrible. It's sure. not like, yay, he killed the stripper. Like, it's, these are ugly, horrible people. Mm-hmm. But um, Tony's like, that guy's a good earner. I can't get rid of him. But he's never going to be a captain. Like, he's never sure. going to be, like, the next level below me. Uh, and then that guy's boss dies on the toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of thing the show would do is, like, you think there's going to be some big power struggle or whatever, and then just some random event makes things happen. Sure. And it's like, well, now he's got to be a captain because some dude randomly died on the toilet. And the show, some you might just get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. You might just, and this is my good thing, really. <laughs> you might just get hit by a car. It's sort of an overall thing for the series, but it's very much in evidence in this episode. I love the bleak, hopeless world the show lives in. Nothing matters. Everything's terrible. Everyone is toxic. Nobody can change. And it's all going to go like this, go on like this until you die a horrible death or something worse happens mm-hmm. to you. Poor Adriana. Uh, wow. Somebody knows what that means. Uh, this is the complete opposite of what I want out of Star Trek, incidentally. Mm-hmm. There, but there's a place for it. And it's oh, here. Yeah. It's, I know people get bummed out by stuff like this. I know your wife, for instance. We've talked about BoJack Horseman uh, and other shows like this where it's just misery upon misery. And uh, Bob is another one. He mm-hmm. and I, when the show was airing, he's like, I can't. I can't. It's, too, it's too bleak. I can't do it. I get it. I absolutely get it. I, I mean, like, it's the same thing with, like, Breaking Bad. I tried to show that to my mom back when I was still living at home, and she was like, I can't watch. It never gets better. And I, No, it that gets worse. Like That's two, the whole point of the show is it gets worse and worse. And two episodes into the series. Oh, okay? God. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Or Walter's still kind of a redeemable yeah, person. Yeah, when you're just like, when you're just <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like that's when he's still trying to keep the dude in the basement alive. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I get that. I think you have to have a certain level of empathy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I am less empathetic necessarily. I don't think you and I are sociopaths per se. I just think I spend it's- spend a, a lot of time thinking about that. I'm pretty sure I'm not a sociopath. The fact that you're thinking about it, I think, <clears throat> is part of it probably. Mm-hmm. That you're aware. But I think it's levels of empathy or, or, you know, that that sort of thing. But for me, and this is hard to describe. This is something I've tried to put into words for a long time. And it's hard. Like, I might not do it right. But something about seeing someone else recognizing the futility of everything and turning it into entertainment yep. really helps me deal with things. Yeah. Like, one, it tells me I'm not the only one in the world who sees things this way. Like, I'm not the only hopeless nihilist in the world. And two... It defangs the situation. It says, well, yeah, like this hopeless and terrible, but also look, here's some, here's two idiots running around in the woods. Like yep. you can make it funny. And in a way that sort of depowers the, the hopelessness because yeah. it's like, it's okay. Someone made me laugh. Someone made a dun- bunch of dumb horse puns <laughs> and made depression bearable. Yeah. And that's the thing about this show is like, it very much is about the end of an era. What's left clean. Like, like. We're still part of this thing that doesn't even make sense to be part of anymore. Mm. And our dad's had it great and everything's terrible now. Also, Tony suffers from horrible depression. Also, everything is terrible and everyone just sucks and dies. Well, it's also it really has that feeling of like there's no way to change. Like you're never going to change your life. Yeah. You're, you're stuck in this. You're tied to your your house and your family. Yes. And like, yeah, no, there's there there were 
there have been some very good one-off stories. The season six premiere, I know this show like the fucking back of my hand. Mm. I just rewatched it, but I've seen it all the way through like five times. Ah. This really is my jam. Um, there was an episode, I think it's the season six premiere, where a dude, uh, uh, his rich uh, uh, relative dies mm-hmm. and he inherits like $2 million. And he's like, I can get out. Yeah. I can I can get out of this life. And Tony won't let him. Uh-huh. And it's just this, like, and his wife is like, but why? Like he even at one point offers Tony like half his inheritance. Yeah. Here's your cut. You always get half. Here's a million dollars of my inheritance from my dead aunt that you've never met. Now leave me alone. I'm moving to Florida. And Tony's like, no, I'll take the million, but you're staying. And uh, spoilers again, episode ends with a dude hanging himself because he can't get out. Yeah. And that's this show. That is, in a nutshell, you can't escape this life. And it's horrible. And I totally get why people can't watch that. But I- I, I love that shit, man. Love like, it. And this show handled depression. Like, I mean, now there's some stuff on that actually does it well. But well, at back the time, then, nobody- like, what, 2000? Uh, the show started in 1999. I'm okay. calling it a 2000 show because it was mostly in the 2000s. Yeah, sure. But- it started in 1999. That's why this book that came out, uh, Alan Sepamal wrote it, and it's very, very good. Mm. Um, I don't remember the name, but it's like a retrospective, and it goes through each episode, and it's very, very good. But um, uh, they they talked about uh, they talked about all that stuff. Yeah. Well, nothing was doing it back then. You no, know, like, and it's there's episodes where there's an episode where Tony is just in his bathrobe and can't get out of bed the whole day, mm-hmm. and Everyone around him is like his his wife's yelling at him because she's not sympathetic to his sure. bull. Because he goes around, he fucks around on her behind well, her back, and she knows it. Yeah, well, he seems like a real shitty dude. He absolutely is, and like, uh, there's episodes where he he's got his depression, and you want to feel bad for mm. him, but you understand why the people in his life aren't putting up with it because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and uh, there's. This this show did dreams like no show ever has. Yeah, we we've talked about this this oh before. God, there's there's an episode in season two where he knows one of his guys is an FBI informant, like subconsciously, mm-hmm. but he can't like admit it to himself. Throughout the season, you can see him realizing it. Uh-huh. but it's like he's known this guy since he was a kid. He just can't acknowledge. Yeah, it. sure. And so the only way his mind will let him realize it is through a dream. And he gets food poisoning. And the whole episode is his crazy fever dreams. And it's not just an excuse to go wacky, although mm-hmm. it does get super, it's <laughs> nuts. It's it's some bonkers ass like uh, imagery. It's great. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the whole point of it narratively is for him to realize this. And the writer of the show, the creator of the show, David Chase, was like, uh, I could do one where like a, an FBI informant like gets caught by them and they torture him and they get the information. Mm-hmm. Or he finds out because someone blabs, but like this is way more interesting. Yeah. Because you see what's going on in his head, and they just they they did all this stuff so well. But yeah, it's it's ultimately just about this bleak, fucking oh, it's terrible. I love it, and you get a bit of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh yeah, it's this uh, like the one scene where he's going to see his uncle uh-huh. at like the middle of the night because he's I got to go pick these two idiots up. It's two in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's just like you're looking at this like his whole like sad life yeah <laughs> yep well his uncle was ostensibly the boss in season uh-huh. one and he gets arrested yeah so I, rem- I remember a little bit of that tony's like well he's still the boss mm-hmm. like he's not and he's under house arrest and he's sad and he spins off into doesn't dementia have, like, alzheimer's or something too? there was some dementia stuff later yeah. yeah but tony's basically the boss but he doesn't get the heat because everyone thinks his uncle's the yeah. boss so it's like you know pretty crafty yeah but no, it's it's and you see this sad old man just like withering away under house yeah. arrest and yeah, 
Oh, so like the, he can't even just go off and like fuck some girl. Like ever everything's just. Well, he's got to babysit these idiots. Yeah, too. and because the show like this season was like early two thousand one. Mm. Like uh, the stuff that happened after nine eleven would definitely like inform the show. This was before that. Sure. Um, cell phones were barely a thing. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, and a big part of it was like shitty cell phone service. I mean, they're out in the Pine Barrens. I bet your your iPhone wouldn't work there now. No. Like it's in the middle of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is like Tony can't get a hold of them, so he doesn't know where they are, and you know. You know how long it's been since I've seen something where poor cell reception was a big deal. <laughs> So many it's stories. Great. I mean, Amanda and I love watching old movies, and mm-hmm. a big, like, uh, easy conflict point is, well, we aren't near any phones, yep. therefore we can't call anyone, or we don't have a map, mm-hmm. or like anything that your phone makes a million times easier. Shows had to change when like cell phones became a thing. Is weird to I think was just, now. Last time I came and visited you uh, on the way back, I watched The Matrix on the on my phone. Oh God! And I was yeah. just thinking to myself, this doesn't work anymore. There's no phones. Yeah, that's true. Just go to a phone booth. A what? What? There's only one in my neighborhood, and Mr. Zaz is always <laughs> in it. <laughs> but that's the interesting old fucking cut. That's the interesting thing about this show too is it did grow uh-huh. like basically over the entire Bush years. Like it was on the entire like from 1999 to mm. 2007, I think. Um, and by the end, he's got like if not a smartphone like a decent cell phone sure. and like whatever was the their thing lives but their lives have like got like you can see they can't tell that kind of story anymore mm. and it's just interesting i mean any show set then would do that sure. that's not part of its groundbreaking thing but uh what was your good thing all right so i just like watching the the day-to-day runnings of the mob stuff that kind of thing is always super interesting to me mm-hmm. like i don't talk about it much but like i get kind of fondness for the occasion like i like a lot of stuff a lot of people like that stuff yeah, yeah. I mentioned this. I play a shit ton of Grand Theft Auto. I did too, but that's just because, like, you know, crazy over-the-top violence. And then when I saw that uh, Saints Row was a thing, I was like, fuck you, GTA. Yeah, right. Saints Row is what I always wanted. No, I, I also turn up just because I like the mob stories. Uh, I'm not into that stuff, GTA's but I get Vice it. City was one of my favorite fucking games ever just because I like the story. Uh, I like the setting. Mm-hmm. I like all that, the music and the too. clothes and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. But I, um, that was, like I was saying, the show, being a mob show, is like, it was a hard sell for me. Mm. Like I like some mob movies, but it's like Westerns or like horror. Like there's certain genres where I know there's good examples, yeah. but I won't just watch it cause it's that. Well, the problem is there's so much trash yeah. too. And there's but a lot like, of bad mob stories. Oh my God. Yeah. But like the good, like Godfather. Oh yeah. The Godfather is one of the great hey, movies what? of all time. Matt's going to mention that the Godfather is not a bad movie to check out. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Pretty okay. That's all right. Yeah. And I mean, I think I saw Goodfellas like 15 times when I was in high school just because I was in that kind of mood. Yeah. And then you got Casino and you got all those like, you know, the ones that are all right. Yeah. But, but just like watching the day to day stuff, like probably picking up the money. There's a scene where Tony has to go and sort of shake hands with the the Russian guy's Russian boss or whatever. Well, and that was an <clears> interesting <throat> thing because the Russian mob had, I, I mean, at least in pop culture, mm-hmm. I don't know about the actual history of it, but had just started to become a thing. That would have been like, because after the Soviet Union. Yeah, you know, exactly. Sort of when that came. Yeah. To, so it would have been around now when they start coming over here. Yeah. I and, think. and that's the thing. That's why Pauly was an, I mean, he was always an asshole. Let's sure. be clear. You're not seeing him out of character. Oh, here. good. Because he seems like a real piece of shit. But there's some extra stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I don't know if they talk, they talk about a little here where it's like the Italian mob feels like maybe one day we're going to get like edged out by these guys. Maybe it's going to be a turf war thing. Maybe mm-hmm. it's going to be, and Tony just sees it as a business opportunity. Sure. He doesn't look at it like that, but his, his guys, Paulie's like, fuck these Russians. They're not us. Mm-hmm. And then Ralphie, who I was talking about, um, 
Joe Pantaleone, Joey yep. Pants. You know the guy I'm talking about? Speaking of the Matrix? Yeah. He's the guy I was talking about who was all coked up and everything. Uh-huh. Um, Ralphie. Yeah. He makes money like crazy, but he is crazy. Mm-hmm. And all the other captains resent him. And Polly just, from his POV, Tony's kissing this guy's ass. Tony hates him. Uh-huh. But Polly sees it as like, he loves him. The new hotness is getting all the, like, you know, fuck that guy. He even says, like, fucking cocksucker, Ralphie, blah, 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 blah. And so, like, he's got all this extra, like, basically self-esteem uh-huh. issues that he's taken out on this this Russian guy and then on Christopher. That's, like... It just seems so fucking high school to me, you, just, you know? Oh, it's so high school. <laughs> but you don't get a lot of that because we dropped into episode 11 of season three. Yeah. There's some stuff happening there. No, I'm just, I'm watching, I'm like, you're a fucking grown-up. You have Reed Richards' sideburns, for Christ's sake. What the fuck are you doing? Okay. I keep, like, should I spoil this? Fu- we're talking about the whole it, show. Yeah, no, and you guys just need to know, we're talking about a show that ended, like, ten years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Um, what are you, me? But again... When we did Battlestar Galactica, we uh, talked about the whole series. Yeah. When we did X-Files, we talked about the whole series. Like, that's what we do with these. Mm. If, we, if we're familiar if with we're, them. If we're... Yeah. The few ones that we're, like, super passionate about. Yeah. Um, there's an episode in a later season where Polly, the one sort of... Re- well, not redeeming, because mm. he's a piece of shit. But the one nice thing he does is he really takes care of his mom. Uh-huh. Like, that's, you know, because he's a good Italian Catholic boy. And sure. he does that. Until he finds out that he's in one of those situations where his mom's actually his aunt and... His real mom became a nun or something, and he gets all pissed off about that. But that's a, but so he's taking his mom out to dinner, and this horrible old lady's with them, and he picks up in the conversation that she keeps her money under her mattress. Uh And so later in that episode, he breaks into the old woman's house, (laughs) kills her, takes the money from under her mattress. That's just the kind of person Paulie is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, total psychopath. Like they all are. Uh huh. And season three and four around this period is when they realized. A lot of people only remember The Godfather. A lot of people only remember this stuff being glamorized uh-huh. and thinking of Tony Soprano as a hero. So, like, these seasons, they started extra making them super ugly. Yeah. And things got real bad real quick because they're, like, overcorrecting for, like, these are not good people. Look look what happens. Look well, what that, they do. That's the thing. I hated it. This is one of the things I hate about Breaking Bad, which I'm going to reference a lot because mm-hmm. it's the big crime show. Oh, yeah. I, no, no. That, these, I watched a ton that show owes a lot. And, and Cranston said that and uh, Gilligan said that. Is that fucking toxic, toxic masculinity where everyone's looking at this dude like he's the coolest guy in the fucking room and he's a fucking monster. Yeah. Who's just like, like a just completely selfish monster. Yeah. No, and. A lot of people who don't realize when Walter White says, I'm doing it for my family, that's not yeah. why he's doing it. You don't that's don't just ex- take his word for it. That's the excuse he tells himself so he can do something else horrible. But that's the, that's the like... I should have picked a Breaking Bad episode for <laughs> us to do. I mean, that's almost science fiction. Uh-huh. Almost. That's the thing. What I, what I was saying is like this episode could almost be like the fact that the Russian is still alive. Uh-huh. Maybe fantasy? Yeah. Uh, no. No. Um, but... I don't know. They like I said, they they overcorrected and they showed you just how terrible these people could be. And I'm glad they did that. But on the other hand, it's kind of hard to watch. Well, sometimes. that's the thing. None of it looks fun. You know, like there's none of that. Season one and two did a little bit. All right. <clears throat> from what I from what I have seen. Yeah, no. By none, this point, none of this looks fun. This yeah. looks like a shitty job that all of these dudes are stuck in because they were born into it and they're. Yeah, you can't leave. Yeah, exactly. And the toxic masculinity looms very large. Yeah, like there's a there's a constant. Got to prove yourself. Got to, got to, you know, 
Got to step up. Got to mm-hmm. do the right thing. Got to all that bullshit. And just I was talking about was talking to you about this earlier, and I guess this isn't in the show, but I was super interested. Um, his, Tony's son, mm-hmm. uh, AJ. Yes, Anthony Junior. Is what that okay. stands for. Is in here briefly. Like we see him and we see. Meadow. Yeah, because it's a it's a serialized ensemble show, and some weeks Kutch doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, uh, <laughs> sorry, Jason. But I, I was I was fascinated by the idea of watching like. Someone who started this show is what twelve years old. Yeah, something like that. Growing up in this kind of environment and like moving into like like what do you do when your dad is like this mob guy and you think it's the coolest thing in the world and it just sucks. Well, they did some interesting stuff. Like the kid was always completely hateable, uh-huh. but like in a way that makes sense. Like, and we'll talk about this in a minute when I get to my bad thing. Mm. But he was always like a super entitled douchebag sure. who always got everything he wanted. Well, he looked like, look yeah. at where he grows up. Even I picked up on that. I'm only yeah. seeing the one episode. No. And Meadow's like that too. Mm-hmm. And this season she's like, you're catching her rock bottom where bad stuff's happening to her uh-huh. up to this point. She's been horrible. It's her first year at college uh-huh. and she's got that superior college thing. I live in the city now and I know everything. Uh huh. And yeah, I'm dating a black guy, dad. What do you think of that? <clears throat> like, it's not that she happened to meet a black dude at college. It's she brought a black dude home to make her dad mad. Uh-huh. That's the kind of person she is. And so what you're seeing is just the sympathetic part of where she's dating a piece of shit. But there's there's a whole. Yeah, I didn't get. Uh, no, 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 no. That one that felt very sort of out of out of place. In the well, episode. you know, again, I, you, you get I that. Get with these it's shows. not like it's a bad thing. It's not like it's no. not a bad thing or anything. No, every show we watch that tells a season long story. Mm-hmm. You get this. It's hard to take one episode out of context. Yeah. This is probably one of the best like. In terms of standalone, like there's a little bit of connective stuff, but mostly it's Polly and Christopher sure. Woods, and everyone remembers that. <laughs> um, but with AJ, so he like just flails, doesn't know what to do with his life, and uh, late in the series starts hanging out with the other mobsters' mm-hmm. kids and starts maybe getting pulled a little into this. And uh-huh. Tony does not want that for him. Um, but the the real heartbreaking, legit, like I hated this character so much and mm. I I like to hate him. It's like a Kai Win thing. Yeah, sure. It's like, oh, fucking AJ. Ugh, mm. ugh, his kids are terrible. But um, uh, the depression starts showing itself. Oh, okay. And near the end of the series, he tries to kill himself. Uh-huh. And Tony, like it's this heartbreaking scene where he like uh, uh, jumps in the pool mm. and tries to drown himself. And Tony rescues him and it's like they're both just crying and oh, it's so, so good. But- Tony's realization over the course of the series where it's like, first of all, I don't want to put him anywhere near all this stuff. Second of all, I think this is like a direct quote. He's got my horrible fucking putrid genes. Uh-huh. Like I thought maybe Carmela would even that out and maybe he had a chance, but he's just, they're doomed forever. Mm-hmm. And just the, again, that nihilistic, like you think your kids are the future. You're raised Catholic and like have kids and, and that's the thing. And like, no, now I've just made another little depressed person yep. that wants to kill himself. Oh, so good. What a fun show. Oh, it's not fun. <laughs> it can be funny, though. This is a funny episode. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of humor from No, them. it was hilarious, man. Like, from your notes, I was like, oh, you hate, do you hate the show? Because you hate these guys. No, but I loved hating those guys. Like, okay. just again with you two idiots? I mean, it's funny. Uh huh. Because they're surviving on ketchup packets. Try it with the relish. It makes it real good. They don't know how to gun. Mm hmm. They can't find their way out of the they're, woods. I, I have a note here or something where they're trying to shoot the guy as he's running away. I'm like, shoot him. It's the one thing you can do. Mm, I mean, I don't know about guns. I'll never know about nope. guns. But I do know 
on this show, mm-hmm. they don't do a lot of shooting precision targets from far away. I mean, good, because like, you're talking about a cast full of people who love the fact that they get to carry them. Oh, yeah. And are have no idea how they work. You know? No, that's like, the thing. Is, I think firing range like once or something. I think you were like six feet away from me. Mm-hmm. They would do it from about here. Yeah. They would not. Like, this guy was a moving target yeah. in the woods like 100 yards away. I, I don't blame him. Like, yeah. He wasn't carrying a, a rifle. Fu- you're not a gunslinger. You're a fucking moron. Like, but the move on this show is usually to get him on the ground and gather like your five guys around him and kick him repeatedly yeah, and then shoot him. Yeah, because it's easy. Yeah. No, that's it's, that's how yeah. they operate, man. They don't know how to handle something legitimately like like threatening the reveal on the russian guy is that he's like an ex-soviet fucking commando guy he was an interior decorator who killed 10 Czechoslovakians. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) here's here's the thing i watched about 10 minutes of this episode for this show that's it Mm -hmm. i know it by heart i didn't need to watch it It was i was saying the lines along with them so but like but tony's just like well fucking get out there and and take care of this i don't want to deal with it yeah and you sent the two biggest idiots on the planet like they don't have a chance in his organization i don't know that there's many people who could is that's what i'm telling you that's the that's the thing and that's the thing i really enjoyed about this this is the shittiest mob ever no one's good at anything and yet most of these guys survived till the last season because i mean like you know everyone around them is worse yeah well, it's like this is where you get when you're willing to like fuck over anybody and mm-hmm. do anything, you know. Yep. And again, this is just stuff I picked up from this one episode. Yeah. And like probably. the two or three I saw when when I was in high school. And probably pop culture osmosis because yeah. people have talked about this show for years. And I know being I friends have. with you for fifteen years. Yeah. When we write together, <clears throat> I often bring. This is one of my touchstones. Yeah. It's like this show did this. We could do this only maybe not as bleak, but mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> What if Dallin joined the Mafia? How about that? Yeah. I, 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 oh, I keep forgetting it's about the Mafia. I know, but... I don't... It's it's only about the Mafia. I mean, it's not, no. but like... That's one of the things people who, It's so... It's so Mafia. It's just... That's his job. Mm-hmm. It could be anything, though. Well, sure. To me. Like... I don't know. I don't know if this works if you're doing anything legal, you know? Like, yeah, that's You true. can still be a shitty person with a... <clears throat> with the job but like the added tension of it all being illegal oh, that that's true that's true the the thing though is a lot of people later in the series got real upset because there wasn't enough whacking people mm-hmm. like that's what they want and it was way more about his psychology and way more about his family and less about the mafia stuff that's what people wanted from the show though and that's one of the reasons i'm like no it's not i mean it is but it's not. It's that it's 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 that certain type of person who's real into the fucking Scarface thing. Mm-hmm. And Scarface, I'm gonna blow some minds here. Scarface is a fucking terrible fucking movie. I fucking hate that. I've never movie. actually seen it. It sucks. Okay. But like, it's all about the like. I see a lot of that character getting in, getting embraced because it's it's supposed to be like the big. This is what crime gets you. It's well, awesome. As someone who hasn't seen it, <clears throat> I know from the outside it's a very stylish movie yep. and it's got a very specific aesthetic that appeals mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. That's it. Everyone seems to forget that it's, it fucking ends with him fucking getting killed by eight billion. Oh no, I know that cop bullets in a mountain of coke. No, I, I I haven't seen it and I know that. Yeah, that's the thing everyone knows. I think, but no, I get it. It's just I don't know. Is some of that and some of people coming into traditional like mm-hmm. I can't think of another show before this that was about the mob that was really about a depressed guy and wow. his hopeless life. Well, I get like it's clearly it was a very like. Yeah. It was not something people were doing before, you know? Well, and 
I read I, this is the AV Club's uh, reviews of mm. these uh, are also very good. This, the book that I got, and also like if you, there's a lot of good extra like reading if you're into that kind of thing. Which, <laughs> as much as we go to Memory Alpha, we are uh-huh. and we're into a thing. We like to learn more about. Yeah, it. Um, we're nerds. That's how it works. But uh, their take on the show was it was sort of also meta commentary about television. Oh, that's interesting because it's a show about crime uh-huh. where week to week instead of when the credits come up, everything gets set back to zero. The next week you have to deal with the consequences mm-hmm. of that and continue living with it is sort of a comment on the way TV worked and the way TV was going to work. Yeah. And Tony Soprano's life is not a TV show where they hit the reset button at the end of every week. If they pissed off the Russian mob, maybe that'll come back. Maybe it won't, mm-hmm. but everything like, like had that's, consequences. That's, and, what li- that's what life is. The yeah. things you do affect the things you're going to do. Yeah. And I liked that read mm-hmm. on it. I don't know if that's necessarily textual, but I like that interpretation that's, of it. That's interesting. Yeah. No, there's, and you know, there's and a lot I mean, going like, on. No, no one was doing that back then. No. No one was doing, like, no one was doing anything with depression back then that I can remember. It I'm was sure like, there have been It was been a things. joke on fucking Frasier. Well, there's know? that, but I'm sure there were other things. This is, like, I, I'm always hesitant to say this was the first. I mean, sure. It's the first big one. But, like, I, like, m- mental illness has become such a bigger thing over yeah. the last, like, what, 10 years or something? Well, and the fact that you and I are both neuroatypical, mm-hmm. have different flavors of, of mental illness. Sure. We see it firsthand. We see, like, media, like, making jokes out of it or just not acknowledging it. And now we see, like, in our lifetimes, we've seen it. That, I, that's why that's why BoJack is such a huge mm-hmm. deal. For, I've never seen a TV show that deals so well with just day-to-day mental illness stuff and this there's so much of the show's yeah. dna in that it's it's a completely different show obviously sure it's about an imaginary cartoon horse in hollywood <laughs> but <laughs> weirdly it's still kind of the same basic mm-hmm. vibe of everything's hopeless and you got to try to change but it's hard yeah. and mental illness is you know a struggle and all that and very good um but there's been a few other things since then yeah like um maria bamford's show was very good at that Maria Bamford's show, I couldn't fucking watch. I've heard you and a couple other people say it's hard to watch because her depictions of manic episodes in particular, mm-hmm. if you've ever dealt with anyone who deals with that stuff, was so spot on that it's like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, I have had, I can count on the, on like one hand the amount of really bad manic episodes I've had, but they have happened and mm-hmm. it's That's like, what it looks seeing like? that is like, oh Jesus, okay. Of course she knows. Uh-huh. She's very famously like a huge advocate and, and tries to talk about it and I love that about mm-hmm. her. I love a lot of things about her. She's great. We saw her live not too long ago. So oh, that's awesome. Best hour of stand-up I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Cra- yeah. Uh, got a couple things wrong, but mostly right. Mm. And there was an outstanding uh, arc in the last season where she uh, takes her meds and gets better. Mm. Like, there's this whole thing in the beginning of the show where she flushes her meds down the toilet. It's that moment in every like romantic comedy where it's like, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to be myself. It's making me a dead person. I have to be the real creative person that I actually am. And she totally spirals after that. No. And the show was about, I mean, it's about a lot of stuff, but Mm. it's about her like taking her meds again. And we're seeing it more. Uh, Fucking Jane the Virgin did a story uh, about uh, a subject very near and dear to my heart, ADHD. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her kid was diagnosed ADHD. I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. Don't put him on medication. Medication makes him a robot. No. Turns out the meds made him better. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's the first time as an ADHD person diagnosed like 23 years ago, medicated the whole time. Never once have I seen in pop culture where they say, 
Sometimes taking meds, if it's the right thing for you, will help you. Yeah. It's always like, Ritalin makes you a robot. Adderall is bad. Like, nope. So it's nice. But this show was one of the first big ones. He goes on Prozac, and part of the reason he keeps fucking up is that he takes it when he feels like it Mm -hmm. and flushes it when he gets mad. So, you know, I think you cannot praise enough, and you don't get a lot of him in this episode, Mm -hmm. but James Gandolfini was so good. Oh, he's so good. He was so good at the internalized rage. There's bits. You see it a little in this episode when he's fighting with uh, Gloria, Mm -hmm. his girlfriend, um, where he gets mad. And he starts steaming and you can feel, you can hear the breath through his nostrils and, and he's about to fucking snap. And uh. like, apparently it was so intense for the actor that it like would mess him up. He's like, I love doing this show. I'm glad it's made me famous, but I got to stop. This yeah. hurts me because I get in his head and I can't handle it. No, I was watching. I'm like, is he going to beat the shit out of this woman? Like, is uh, that what I get to watch there, tonight? I think it's like the next one or the one after that where he very nearly chokes at her death. Jesus it's, Christ. It, this is a horrible person. Let's be clear. This show does not glamorize uh-huh. this. But it, it's also very hard to watch. Um, but yeah, this there's some stuff that you wouldn't know mm. putting together. Uh, it, the very last bit at the end uh-huh. where Dr. Melfi's trying to make him put the, put the the connect the dots. Mm-hmm. You're attracted to me, a, a professional Italian Smart, yep, but but you know, a little volatile. I can tell you what she's the, not. Yeah. What what is the common theme between all these women? It's his mother. Yeah, no, dude. I, I figured you put that. Dude, together, I picked that up, and I figured, like, but he didn't. Again, I know a little. Like, yeah, I I remember his mother. Ooh. She was so good. The weirdest thing is if you go watch the Naked Gun movies. Uh-huh. Uh, she was like the the police chief or the the mayor or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, the, basically, the one who rolls her eyes at Frank Drebin and tells him to stop his nonsense. Uh huh. Wow. Uh-huh. Weird. Uh, so what was your bad thing? Uh, good question. Let's see here. I don't know if I hit this hard enough in my summary, but goddamn Polly and Christopher were irritating. <laughs> like, Christopher, at least, is young enough that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can totally see this as, like, you know, Uncle Tony, who's, in, like, in charge of the Yeah, FBI, I wasn't sure if they had said. in charge of the mob. I wasn't sure if they had said, but they are related. This, by the way, I, I mentioned this when I was talking to you. This show's real good about introducing everybody. Like, Well, yeah, you're show. in episode 11 of season three, and you caught on to who everyone I was I got everybody's quick. name except for, uh, what's-her-face, the therapist. Oh, Dr. Melfi. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because they don't, you don't say a therapist's name out loud that yeah. often, so it's hard to, yeah. But, like, God, Polly was annoying. Like, Oh, God, yeah. Beating up the Russian guy over nothing. He escalates it to killing the guy. He gets them both lost. Then he tries to hoist all of the blame on Christopher. Fuck this guy. But that's, they're all like that. Uh-huh. Now, He's... all that being said, I still enjoyed it. Okay. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, you don't like this, do you? Because if you're not dialed into that, if oh, you don't no. see why that's entertaining, no, I get I, it. No, I get it. And yeah. like, you know. No, he's... Oh, God, they're also terrible. Like, but, I, but, like, I really enjoy... Okay, yeah. f- it might not be a great bad thing, but I really enjoyed just no. all of it. Just, and that's that's my bad thing also. Uh-huh. Nothing? Literally <laughs> nothing? <laughs> like... One of, the best part, one of the best shows for one of my, my favorite TV series of all time? Just, I mean, really, it is. Um, Like... like and that's... I'm kind of using my bad thing to talk about how it's... Like, I have no criticisms about the episode. Uh-huh. Literally none. There's a couple of episodes where there's... They tried to do a political one that was real bad. Yeah. They tried to do one about Christopher Columbus, and the idea was like that uh, natives were protesting Columbus Day, and mm. the Italians were proud of Columbus because he's Italian. Sure. And they were coming like to blows over it, and then they would go to an Indian casino, and it was this uh-huh. whole thing. It was not very good. That seems real like. That was the rough spot of the whole series. Uh-huh. But 
That was the only episode I can think of. Gonna make that my bad thing? Yeah. This other episode? The episode called Christopher that I thought was gonna be about Christopher the character and instead was about Christopher Columbus. Uh-huh. Um, no, but like, for instance, Jackie, mm-hmm. who's actually Jackie Jr., which you wouldn't have any idea about. Uh, so the boss, when we come in in season one at the beginning, mm. uh, Jackie April is like the boss uh-huh. or like it's Uncle Jr. and then Jackie and then Tony's down in the captain sure. somewhere. Uh, Jackie's dying of cancer uh, and then dies and then Uncle Jr. goes to jail and that's uh-huh. how Tony gets where he is. But uh, in, in this season, we meet uh, Jackie's kid okay. who, just like AJ, super piece of shit, super uh-huh. just like entitled well, prick. Well, that raised like within the thing. And yeah. He's a rich white guy and yep. just like. No, and there's some good, some real good like college douchebag just this side of date rape uh-huh. just on the right side but just barely mm-hmm. where they're playing scrabble and she's playing all these ten dollar vocabulary words sure sh- partially to show off because uh-huh. she's meadow but partially because she's smart yeah and he, he smells ass and poo <laughs> which is so good are but, ass and poo taken <laughs> but he says um ass as in can i get some of that i'm just kidding i'm kidding yeah and it's like but maybe ooh, ooh that's so that's ah. yeah no it's just like the the second he's just like oh this guy is the biggest fucking sleazebag and you look at him and he's handsome mm-hmm. he's a good like good looking kid and you can see why meadow might go for him but also ugh. but um well it's one of those things where it feels like you know you talked to him for fucking 10 minutes and it's just like <laughs> wow. 10 seconds yeah but what i'm saying is that's like a person I would steer as far clear from as possible in my actual life. Mm-hmm. And yet I can't call it a bad thing because he's a great antagonist on the show. Yep. He makes Meadow's life miserable later on. He makes Tony's life miserable. Like he does some shit that he has to be punished for. Mm-hmm. And Tony's like, can I kill my best friend's son? And should I, would this be a whole thing? Yeah. And Ralphie, the other guys involved is this whole thing. This is very good. Like they were very good at telling season long stories. Mm-hmm. You're coming in near at the end of this, but, um, Jackie's about to fuck up real bad. I mean, that was the other thing that it sort of launched around then was the I mean, there, season long. There were definitely others, but sure. this this one definitely helped with the prestige, like 13 episode yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I can't really call that a bad thing because like Jackie sucks, but also but he sucks real good. He like was, he and Ralphie were basically the villains of this season mm-hmm. in a way. And the antagonist. Like anyway. you can't you can't get mad at Kai Win for Kai winning. I mean, you did. I know. But yeah. But now I, I'd like yeah. to think I'm a better reviewer than I was then. Mm, y- you are. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is at the time, I think you were just as good. Sure. Like, you never actually hated her. Like, you never actually didn't want to watch a Kai Win episode. No. You just loved to hate her. Yeah. It's like watching a panto. Like, <laughs> you know? That's what this show's missing, is hissing at the bad guys. I didn't, I'd never seen a panto until like a year ago, and it's just... Don't really care. Didn't really miss much. Yeah. But, you know. You're, you're, you're fine. It's just one of those things I'd always, I'd always heard referenced. And so now I know. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, it's all right. But uh, also, did you catch who directed this episode? I did not. Steve Buscemi. Oh, cool. I yeah. knew he was tied to this show somehow, and I couldn't remember why. He how. directed a bunch. This might have been his first one or one of his first mm-hmm. ones. Um, But he ended up being uh, uh, a main character in season five. Until oh, cool. He, until he wasn't. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. The show did a little bit of, um, and this is a Invader Zim reference that you will get, and I don't. I'm passing it along secondhand. Uh-huh. Uh, what Amanda called Mini Moose. Oh, yeah. A lot of characters would just show up as if they'd always been there. Uh-huh. Mini Moose, yeah. Yeah. 
And um, he's always been there. Who says he hasn't? Yeah. I, again, I don't know the reference. I'm mm-hmm. just saying what Amanda said, but it makes sense. To you, you would fucking hate Invader Zim. I. She made me watch it. She didn't make me watch it. I did watch it on her recommendation, uh-huh. and I did not care. For yeah. It. No, I can't think of many things less up here. Oh, I hard disagree. It was average. Uh-huh. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. I. It was fine, but it. I wasn't like I wasn't the right age. Mm-hmm. You guys, it just hit you at the right oh, time. Oh yeah. Um. What was I saying? Oh, Steve this, Buscemi? this show did a lot of this character was here the whole time. Sure. Jackie Jr. was kind of like that. Uh-huh. He showed up in the background for five seconds in season two, but then he's like a main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralphie. Suddenly there's a guy named Ralphie in season three who's always been mm-hmm. here. And they had a real problem with that. Like with, well, we killed all the guys last season. Who do we have this season? Well, it's, it's hard to do that and like make it seem that there's, there's a way to do that and bring people in and just like. Right. But it really depends on how you shoot the show and how you well, do your scripts. They in season five, what they did was this was a, a really clever thing because <laughs> he had killed off all the like yeah. people who were antagonizing him. And like Paulie's not going to be the, the big like thorn in your side in season five. He's not big enough for yeah. that. No, he's, he's an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what they did was they said, OK, in 20 years ago or whatever, like the, in 1984, mm. uh, all these guys went to jail and got 20 year sentences. They're all getting out at the same time. Here's a whole bunch of new mob guys all at once. Oh, that's fun. Just getting out of jail. And so some of them couldn't adjust. Some uh-huh. of them went right back to work. And one of them was Steve Buscemi. Uh-huh. But that was a good way to get around yeah. that. It just, it took them a minute to figure out, oh, <laughs> quit, quit just making people show up that would are all, were always there. Hey, it's me, Minnie Moose, your uh, best friend. That's what, uh, Ralphie. That's yep. what Amanda called Ralphie the whole time. <laughs> and I just, I'm going to take your word for it that yep. that's a good reference, but I don't know. What else? Uh, I feel like we haven't talked a lot about what's in this episode just because there's so much to talk about with the whole series. But I mean, I'm not saying nothing happened in the episode. No, lots happened. A ton happened. But a good chunk of it takes place just out in the woods with these idiots. And, you know, I love that. I love the fish out of water stuff. The, um, the, the scene where, uh, with, uh, the family at dinner. Mm-hmm. It just all I could think with that episode was okay. Yeah, I get it. I'll get a diet coke. Fine. <laughs> just the it just it felt like the characters were twisting the can every time the camera moved. There was a little of that. The logo was a little clumsy. Always on screen. Yeah, there was a little of that. I wonder who this episode was brought to you by. But also, I don't think it was. I don't know. I remember reading about this. Mm. There's a thing Seinfeld did it first. This show did it a couple others where it wasn't promotional consideration. They're just like, people are tired of seeing generic labels. I mean, that's fair. Let's just have them drink a Diet Coke if yeah. that's what they're drinking. And I don't know that it was sponsored. I yeah. think it was just... It it was more... And I mean, that that could be true. It was more just the way this, the scene was set up. Yeah. Like, where there's just always this fucking Diet Coke can in, in frame. I mean, it totally could have been a, you know, or maybe it was a symbol. Who knows? There's yeah. a lot. Of, there was so much going on under the surface that I still don't know. Because I'm not smart enough. Sure. Ser- I'll totally admit that. I'm just not smart enough to pick up on it. That's why I read so much of the critical stuff, because I want to know. Well, yeah, because that kind of stuff's fascinating. But a show like this is hits my sweet spot of mm. it's totally accessible as just a, a dumb mob show about a, a sad guy. Uh-huh. But then there's stuff like it makes you want to learn more. Mm. It makes you want to get smarter. You know what I mean? Like it works on both levels of popular entertainment, but also like good literature yeah. kind of thing, you know? And I like that kind of stuff a lot. Like I like... When you can just see it as two idiots running around in the woods with guns, or you can see it as like a profound meditation on nihilism and psychotherapy. Well, you see, it's a metaphor for revenge and uh, 
how you're not supposed to take revenge on an animal. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> and also rope. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sea rope. What else? Uh, let's see. That's basically, I mean, you know, again, I could go on and on for, for days. And Polly goes full Doc Brown. <laughs> yeah, Polly. And the actor who played uh, Polly was apparently actually connected in some way. I don't know. That's if he was in the mob or I've whatever. heard about that before. Where yeah. Just like... He's not an actor. Like mm-hmm. he, I mean, he became an actor, but he originally he wasn't an actor. And like they got him on for like bona fides kind of thing. Yeah. But um, one of the things was like, don't fuck with my hair. And like, oh, ha, ha, no, I'm serious. You don't fuck with my hair. Okay. And I guess he got upset that they made him do that for this uh, or they talked him into it or something. There's a story behind it, but he didn't like it. He's, it's just one of those tough guy things. You see him getting a manicure. Uh-huh. This. Like, it's weird that they're tough guys, but also they they care about these weird things yeah. that are not traditionally masculine. I mean, you know. I mean, that's, I think yeah. it's nice, but it doesn't fit the, the image is what yeah. I'm saying. Bizarre. Yep. Uh, my quote. Oh yeah, what do you got? There's uh, there's so many good lines in this. There were. I went to uh, this one just. This is the line that made me laugh hysterically, and it's just when they're they're camped out in a van they found. Yeah, they found like an abandoned like electrician's van. And there's just a shot of Polly just pulling up the carpet in the back of the van, mm-hmm. <laughs> the van that he, so you can use for a blanket. Mm-hmm. And it's this. I'm going to sleep. Let me get some of that carpet. That is very good. I'm surprised that made you laugh the most, though. It was that or I lost my shoe. <laughs> it just fucking falls down a goddamn, like, mm-hmm. like slope or whatever and sort of stumbles over. I lost... <laughs> Christopher, I lost my shoe. The thing is, these two always had very good chemistry. Pairing these two up mm-hmm. is great because Polly's the one who's been there since Tony's dad yeah. and thinks he deserves everything. Mm-hmm. And Christopher, he, he sees Christopher as like, oh, well, he's just successful because he's Tony's nephew. Sure. And Christopher's like, I've worked hard. Fuck this old piece of sure. shit. You know, this, this is good conflict. But there's an episode in season two where Christopher's shot, nearly dies, uh-huh. has like a, a coma vision or whatever of, um, he says, he thinks he went to hell. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they, they woke him up and he talks about it. And Polly's just like, no, no you didn't go to hell. It's like, no. Oh, it's one of the funniest lines of the entire series. He's like, no, it's uh, nobody I knew or, or uh, like everybody I knew was there and they were getting whacked the way they got whacked in life. And it was painful. And um, it was an Irish bar where it's St. Patrick's Day all the time. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Italian hell. <laughs> and then Polly's thread in that episode is like going to a psychic and trying to convince Christopher that he didn't go to hell, that he's not going to hell, like offering to to donate more to the church so that he doesn't have to go it's this whole ridiculous thing it's oh my so God. funny because they, they really play up the whole catholic superstition sure. thing and it's oh it's ah, everything about the show just chef's kiss <laughs> uh but i suppose this is a good place to stop unless yeah. you have more things i think that's it all right uh well that's all for this time next week we are going to the current decade mm-hmm. the, the tens uh-huh and you have chosen i picked uh the flash the flash the episode is Going rogue. Going rogue. Thank you. Yes. We first... have actually. I'm pretending I'm hearing this for the first time. Uh-huh. In fact, we are recording both of these episodes back to back, and I've already seen it and written it up. So, yep. Uh, yeah, it's uh, early on. It's like season one, episode four. Yeah. So it's very early on. Uh, uh, so... It's on Netflix if you want to watch along. Mm-hmm. Um. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week after that, we will be doing a supplemental. Yep. We would love to hear from you guys. Right now, it's just going to be us talking about the Picard trailer, which. I can't imagine we'll fill an hour. So, uh, no. Write to us, please. Post-Atomic Horror at Gmail. 
the website, postatomicore.com, Tumblr, postatomicore.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Please listen to Endeavor. We are very happy with how that, all that's turning out. It is ussendeavor.com. Mm-hmm. And that's all for this time. Yeah, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Sopranos podcast is a co-production of Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this until Star Trek comes back.